from the Salvation Army National Headquarters, this is the Fight for Good Podcast. Well, hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Fight for Good Podcast. I'm your host, Lieutenant Colonel Tim Foley. Broadcasting from my office here in Alexandria, Virginia at National Headquarters. We hope you're doing well today. Thanks for giving us a few moments of your time. Uh, we have with us here today, as always, my partner in crime, Mr. Jeff McDonald. Greetings, Colonel, from my satellite office in Fairfax, Virginia. Greetings. I hope you're doing well out there, that you're not uh, going swimming all the time, but you're actually working and oh, yeah. uh, oh, looking yeah. busy at least. Oh my, yes. But I miss having you right around, right down the hall. It's it's a it's not as convenient, you know, to go and yell at you like I always used to do. <laughs> you know that is. I got to find a hiding place. Yeah. Well, on this episode today of the Fight for Good podcast, uh, we are introducing you to our brand new Bible study contributor to the War Cry, and one of the things that we try to do with our uh, if, if you've been a faithful listener, and we thank those of you that have been faithful from the beginning, and it's true that uh, our broadcast base is growing a little bit, and we've had uh, more variety and lots of different. Our producer, Elizabeth, has been able to mix it all up and get us all kinds of different fun people in here, and we today, no exception. Right, Mr. McDonald? We're ready. Indeed. Oh, yeah. And it's just a pleasure to be with Colonel Jennings. Well, you lit it out of the bag. Because oh, <laughs> with us today is uh, L- L- Lieutenant Colonel Dan Jennings. He's currently the divisional commander of the Northern Division. Uh, the Northern Division, this little town called Minneapolis, has sort of been in the news lately. And recently, him and his lovely wife, Doreen, uh, moved uh, from St. Louis. And they moved up to uh, Minnesota and Minneapolis. They served in similar appointments in Wisconsin and Upper Michigan, beautiful part of our country, uh, as well as Missouri and Southern Missouri, all kinds of different appointments. He was also in the Croc family. Welcome, um, Colonel Jennings, to the Fight for Good podcast. Well, thank you very much. It's uh, it's beautiful to be here, and thank you for having me on. We're so glad that you've able to take a few minutes of your time, and you know, I my my path has crossed with you a few times in our officership journey, and I remember we were in St. Louis with you uh, about a, two Christmases ago now, and we were doing the the Tree of Lights and all that, and we had a lot of good conversation, and you shared with me that you know you you had a, a couple things that you would like to consider getting getting down on pen, so I. I took you on that challenge and boy, you've just, you've just really delivered and we're so excited. Thank you for uh, what you've contributed so far and what, what's going to uh, come off your pen uh, down the road here. Well, it's, it's good to have somebody read it. That's uh, to have somebody interested in what you write is always uh, fantastic. You know, it was a, uh, I, I guess when I was in uh, seminary, uh, the chief secretary at that time said, you're going to seminary, you really owe the army now some sort of publication you ought to be writing if we're going to invest in your education. So I, I wanted to do that and uh, just look for the right time, the right uh, material. And uh, all those things seemed to come together uh, a couple of years ago when we were having a conversation. And uh, it just seems the right time to, uh, to take on this project. 
On that subject, um, what led you to specifically do an in-depth study of on Psalm 23, which is our extended Bible study now in the war cry? You know, uh, when I was in seminary, uh, we read, uh, someone had written a book about appropriate passages to preach on, and they were dead set against preaching anything from the Psalms. Oh, that, the Psalms <laughs> that the Psalms were supplementary uh, material at best, and any preacher uh, worth his weight would not preach from the Psalms. So I took that as a challenge. I said, there's, <laughs> there's good material here. And uh, this is more than supplementary material. And uh, I took on a passage that has been used typically uh, at the graveside uh, after a funeral, Psalm 23, and uh, said, yeah, there's some, there's some good things here to, uh, to dig deep into and to get some thought to. So I, I just uh, took umbrage with the, with the person's, uh, thought that you should not preach from Psalms and decided I would preach for an entire year on only Psalm 23. And so that that's how it began. Uh, I preached for a full year on Psalm 23, tried to capture some of the thoughts from that sermon series, and then now had this new venue uh, to explore some of those uh, with the uh, the Bible study and the war cry. So it uh, I guess it started from a, a challenge that I think there is something good to preach from. And I've even myself, I've been surprised how rich, how deep uh, Psalm 23 is. We obviously went to separate seminaries because my first class was a class on studying the Psalms and the need to preach them, <laughs> you know, because as you know, you get into it, the Psalms is, it, it, it's humanity at its core. I mean, it's just, so thank you for uh, ignoring that advice and, and delving into Psalm 23. Yeah, um, it's interesting. It becomes almost a cliche. We hear it so many times, and yet you're mining so much, um, you know, background information from it. What have been some pra practical lessons you have taken from your study of the psalm into your own personal life and ministry? Uh, just recently, uh, thinking about uh, just the blessings that are in the Psalms, a series of blessings that the, the Lord gives to us, not only to David, but uh, also to, uh, to Israel as well. And uh, just thinking how important it was uh, for David, who was a shepherd, to understand that the Lord cared for him and cared for Israel as a shepherd cares for its sheep. Yeah, that intimate knowledge that David had of the Lord, I guess, is what we all kind of, you know, yearn for. And so that's what we look for in your study. Yeah, and to think about uh, those two beautiful pictures, you know, one of being the shepherd, but also being the gracious host to invite us to the banquet to come and sit at the table. And uh, while that's always uh, a good theme to think about, the inclusiveness of God's love and God's invitation for us to come and become a part of the family, uh, I can't think of a better time than right now, uh, thinking about how divided we seem to be as a nation, to hear that uh, invitation that you are welcome, you're invited, there is a place at the table for you. So it's, uh, while it's a psalm, while it is uh, beautiful poetry, it is germane and relevant to today. Hmm. Well, you and your wife just moved. You're just getting settled in, in your new appointment. Um, and you kind of went into a really, really uh, difficult uh, 
obviously situation in a community right where the Salvation Army should be uh, as ambassadors of reconciliation and love. What, what are what are some of the things the Salvation Army is doing in your community right now that is helping to bring peace? Uh, yeah, to- one is uh, just just trying to join in with the community in very positive ways. Uh, the epicenter of all the unrest in Minneapolis is just in the shadow of our Minneapolis temple core. And uh, they they uh, had a, uh, just weeks before we were to arrive, we actually came in early for it. They had a prayer march that went from our core building, the Minneapolis temple building, right to the place where George Floyd had died, uh, where there is a, a still today a giant uh, memorial there for him. Uh, the Salvation Army uh, brought in uh, people from the city, but also invited folks from uh, territorial headquarters to come in as well. And just to be a part of that. And while uh, there are segments of the uh, community that are still uh, marching and doing things that are unrest, this very much was uh, bringing people together. It was a very inclusive event. Uh, very much focusing on uh, that the Salvation Army is here to help and here to be uh, part of the healing that can take place in this community. And uh, very pleased that uh, all of our Salvation Army Corps have been safe zones for the community. Uh, Many of the businesses had boarded up their windows uh, because uh, windows were being broken out, buildings were being vandalized, but nothing at all happened to any of our Salvation Army facilities. And I think that's a great testimony not, not just to what the Salvation Army is doing today, but that the Salvation Army has such a reputation here that people have uh, looked at it as a hands-off in terms of uh, violence to a building. We've had great support uh, from the team, uh, the Northern Division, uh, over the years uh, when we've needed information. And in our July issue of the War Cry, we, we were able to get some great uh, photos of that event that you just talked about off of a Flickr account there. And uh, in fact, I had a phone call today from one of our Warcry ambassadors, a truck driver uh, who's a salvationist from Iowa. And he asked if I could send him like 20 extra copies of that issue. And we talked about uh, that particular situation. And, and as he's ministering, sharing the Warcry across the country, uh, how people are resonating with that whole particular situation and grateful for the work of the Salvation Army. We're grateful for you and your wife. We know that it's uh, it's not an easy uh, uh, d- dive in for you both, but uh, you're both very gracious and wise and godly people. And um, we just we just know here uh, from national headquarters, we're grateful to you guys and we'll continue to pray for you. I was just wondering though, what, what are, what are some, do you see any kind of things that you're studying in the book of Psalms uh, or in Psalm 23 that are kind of resonating specifically in your day in and day out situation there in, in Minneapolis? Well, yesterday I just gathered my team uh, together and, uh, and, talked about uh, a really kind of a Passover uh, phrase in Psalm 23, and it is, he leads me beside still waters. And uh, the word that uh, David uses here for uh, water is uh, tehom, which is a a great little word. It can mean a lot of things. Uh, The most uh, literal translation and the one most translators fall on is water. 
So uh, you can just say water. It also means to be filled up to the very top. Uh, so if you were to top off a glass of water, same word that they use for that. But it also is used for uh, the word flood if the flood is particularly vigorous. So if you think about a raging rapids, things like that, that, that would be the same word that would be used. Now, David, who uh, spent most of his life in the wilderness and in the desert, uh, probably didn't see a lot of floods, didn't see a lot of rapids in that area. But uh, if, you, if you translate that word as flood, the second word that you connect to it, the adjective that he uses to describe the flood uh, or the water, is to take a nap or to re restore yourself from vigorous activity or to take a rest. And when you put those two things together, the Lord becomes... Uh, the shepherd who takes us to the place where the floodwaters cease or the floodwaters come to a rest. And I'm just thinking about our, our buildings, the places where people come for help. And while they're in the middle of these torrents of unrest and torrents of COVID-19 that's still ravaging our world, when they come into our doors, I'd like to think of those as places where the take home or the floodwaters come to a place where they rest and are still so that for those moments when they're there, whether they're getting food or rental assistance or whatever it is, for those moments when they're with our uh, frontline workers, that can be a moment in their lives where the floodwaters have ceased and come to a rest and finally they can get their head above the water and just take a breath before they go back out into everything else that's going to be slamming against them in their regular everyday lives. Well, if you ever need an apologetic about rest, we happen to have a book from Chris Brooks <laughs> that's that right. came out uh, on that subject. So mm -hmm. that's great. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's like it's creating those safe spaces, and it's it's uh, really what a community center is all about. It's it's a safe place, and uh, that's that's. A beautiful delve dine, delve in there <clears throat> of kind of explaining, uh, and that's that's what you do. I mean, that's what you you're doing in in your series, and and we have the privilege of looking at your stuff well ahead of time before our readers and listeners, uh, you know, get it get their eyes on it. So thanks so much, and and thanks for that particular insight. That's that's really crucial, and it's I think something all of us as Salvationists should be very very proud of. And I think we as also just need to just be reminded to pray for you because you guys are still in the epicenter and there is still a lot of unrest. And um, so we just pray for God's covering and protection over your, you and your whole team. Well, thank you for that. And we believe that God is completely in charge of the appointment process. And uh, we, we see that in this appointment as well. Of course, when we were uh, when we learned that we were coming here, when the appointments were made, uh, none of this had happened at that moment, but uh, as it started to unfold, we were reminded, uh, Doreen and I, that uh, just as we arrived in the Midland Division and in St. Louis was when the whole community was erupting after Michael Brown had died. And so to have lived through that and to see how crucial the Army became to that community, uh, the, the very epicenter where the uh, QT gas station burned down has now, like uh, Phoenix rising from the ashes, uh, the Salvation Army and the Urban League have built a new building called the Ferguson Empowerment Center. 
And instead of it being a place of unrest, that has become a place of encouragement, of empowerment, and a, a beacon of hope for that community. So having seen what can happen three or four years after uh, these things ignite, we're hoping that some of those similar things can happen here in uh, the Twin Cities as well. Well, that's um, amazing how you stepped into that situation. You've been there a pretty short time, and yet you're getting a feel for the community. We'll certainly pray for the Army to be a point of commonality and refuge during these tough times. What, what are your feelings about the community, the, the, the tenor out there in these days? You know, I just uh, had a meeting today with one of our executive board members who is uh, a lifelong uh, Minneapolis resident. And uh, during our conversation, uh, she came to the point of tears saying she loves her community. She thinks Minneapolis is just a wonderful city. And she is just heartbroken over just the attitudes toward Minneapolis at the moment and just seeing the, the, you know, the, uh, the violence that's broken out, seeing the tension between the police and the African-American community. And uh, while we felt like, I think all these things were things that we had solved in this nation's history, we were realizing they were just under the surface that have now erupted. And it's, it's causing just deep feelings of, uh, of sadness uh, about the city and about what's happening. And, it, and there are several people who can't see a path through it yet, can't see a place where this can be healed. Uh, but through God's grace, I do believe uh, that we're going to be a better community because of this. Uh, we'll come closer together and have the courage to uh, face uh, some of the things that we've just ignored over the years uh, in terms of equality and caring for one another. Uh, but we had to go through this painful part of it uh, to get there. So I, I think we're on our way. Um, but uh, this part of it certainly is not comfortable. And it, it is it is like this lady today was just heartbroken that this is the community that she's loved all of her life and uh, that it's not as uh, things aren't as good as she thought they were. Hmm. Yeah. You wonder where the where the center is for us now. You know, I think in the recent past, we could rely on more or less a Judeo-Christian tradition as a point of commonality. I'm not so sure that that's the case now. Well, there, there was a time where uh, the Christian worldview and society's worldview were in lockstep. So uh, as we thought about things that were Christian principles, they were also the principles of our nation. Uh, now, to be a believer and to uh, follow Christ, you're living now counterculturally rather than being in lockstep with society. And who knows where we're going to go in terms of societal norms, but we do know uh, that uh, that Christ is the answer, uh, but that's not the obvious answer to the rest of the community. So uh, we've got a, a great new evangelistic opportunity to share the peace of Christ uh, with a community who that will be new to. Hmm. Yeah. And we like the fact that we're playing our part in some degree by having your Bible study and such, you know, inspiring information and content in our magazine and online as well. So back to um, your Bible study, what do you admire most about David and, and how is he like us? I, I think David just had a, a keen understanding of who the Lord was 
and also a good grasp on the society that he lived in. And to be able to uh, to know the Lord's heart and then be able to translate that into something that is relevant for the people he would have uh, rubbed shoulders with and worked with and had conversations with, to be able to talk about uh, his vocation in a way that illustrated who the Lord was. And that's that's a, a wonderful gift to have. And if we were to put that into our our contemporary life, think about what we do in terms of vocation. How can we uh, understand the Lord's heart and then be able to convey that to the folks we work shoulder to shoulder with to say the Lord is like, and then apply something from our vocation to illustrate the goodness and beauty of who the Lord is. Hmm. It sounds so much like the path of holiness, you know, that we need to look at life through God's perspective not our own, which is in itself a challenge. How do you maintain that vision yourself? I, I think it is just to um, just to continue to uh, to listen. Uh, you know, as a as a person who wants to write, we want to vocalize what we're saying. But I think before you can ever write a word, uh, you have to spend a considerable amount of time uh, in the discipline of just listening, uh, reading, reading the word. And uh, reading it multiple times to let it just sink deep down in. Um, I remember a long time ago, uh, a great preacher saying that uh, he had a couple of different chairs in the study. One was uh, just a, a soft, easy chair where he sat and he read the word with no expectation that this was going to be translated into anything else someone would read. This is just for him to take and to uh, receive and to just feast on. And then come back and read that same passage again in a different, uh, in a different chair, whole different posture for reading, but to make sure that we're receiving it, to just to receive it for ourselves, and then read it again in terms of turning that into uh, a sermon or a Bible study or something else. So it, it, that first step has to be just receiving it for ourselves, let it speak to us, and then approach it in that more academic way where it's going to turn into something that somebody else might be able to uh, to read later. One of the things that we're trying to do at National uh, Publications is to uh, provide outlets uh, for new writers and upcoming writers, uh, younger officers, older officers, employees, whoever and wherever. And uh, we've been able to do that by you know, having people write things that ne don't necessarily get in the magazine, but they get on our website and things like that. But we always ask this question, especially of our contributing writers, like, how do you, how do you approach the craft of writing? Thinking about the audience first, who, who's going to be reading this and how can it be helpful to them? And also how can you capture their imagination? How can I say this thing that is, that is true and that is something that's worth writing, but say it in a way that, that captures some attention. Uh, if you start to talk about Psalm 23, uh, a great deal of people might be ready just to tune you out because we know every word of that psalm so well. It rolls off our tongue. But if you can find out a way, like talking about the bears and lions, that, that use a little creative writing and capture people's attention, it just gives us a different perspective on old words that we know well and it's like turning a diamond and seeing a whole new facet that we haven't seen before uh, that draws us in to approach it in a, new, in a way that's fresh and new and relevant to us and not just old hat uh, reciting those uh, 
while they're wonderful, they are easy to take for granted words. It's uh, you're hitting on um, metaphor, adjectives, things that are descriptors or uh, just like an image. Uh, so when you have that whole lions and uh, and and the, the the bear image there, I mean it's that's pretty powerful. And obviously, there's so many in Psalm 23. There's so many different metaphors with it and not to get allegorical or getting kind of way off down all kinds of rabbit holes. But I think, uh, Jeff, you'd agree with me. Uh, the, the power of the adjective, the power of the metaphor is, is you know, so important. Indeed. And I was writing. also curious uh, in your writing, do you, some writers will sit down and begin to write and not know exactly where they'll end up. Others structure it. What is, what is your process? Well, I, I like to have a basic outline before I start to kind of know where I'm going to go. Uh, but it depends on what day you sit down to write. Some days you sit down and, and just you get an idea or a thought and it's way off the rails in terms of your outline. But if you're if you're feeling creative that day or you or something inspires you, I find it's helpful just to keep writing and to keep putting things on the page. And in some cases, uh, that inspiration is enough to change your outline and take you in a whole different direction. And other times it's just a fun exercise that will never make it to the project that you're actually writing. But just the, just the, uh, just the act of writing it is something that's entertaining and good and meaningful to me, even if it doesn't turn into a sermon or doesn't turn into an article or make it into a project later. Our readers of The War Cry will be blessed as we work through uh, the rest of the upcoming fall issues and through the winter and spring. There's a lot more uh, coming from the heart and pen of Lieutenant Colonel Dan Jennings. Sir, we just thank you so much. Thanks for joining us on the Fight for Good podcast today. And we'll continue to look uh, to some good things coming our way uh, from your your pin, the pins that you make. <laughs> That's is, right. What is it with all you guys in the central territory? It seems like everybody makes their own pins there. So that, that's one of your hobbies. We didn't even get to that. That's right. It's a, it's a good way to, uh, to occupy your time when it gets cold up here in Minnesota to go to the basement and turn on the lathe and uh, to turn a pin. <laughs> <laughs> well, keep making pins and keep writing and we'll, you, yeah. you, you've got our support. Well, that will, in this episode of the Fight for Good podcast, be sure to subscribe to Fight for Good wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to follow The War Cry and Peer Magazine on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. We also like to remind you that The War Cry is now available online, and Colonel Jennings' articles are there for you to scroll through a flipbook. You can print it out and you can use it in your own personal study or perhaps in a group study uh, when COVID uh, lifts and you can get back. If not, you can start up a Zoom study yourself. And if you're looking for good, solid biblical material, Wesleyan theologically based and from the heart of an officer that is in touch with his community and with the Lord, you certainly have some good stuff here. So thank you for that. And thanks for taking a few moments for listening to us today. Until next time, this has been the Fight for Good podcast. Bye for now. Subscribe to Fight for Good wherever you listen to podcasts.